Good news, NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded NFL Sunday ticket this season. If you live in an area where DirecTV service is not available, you can now get NFL Sunday ticket without a satellite. To see if you are eligible, go online to NFLSundayTicket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER, R-I-N-G-E-R, at checkout to save 15%. Exclusive student discounts are also available. Derek Henry, friend zone, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, my co-Danny, the hero we need, the fantasy analyst we deserve, Danny Kelly. DK, what is on your mind? Not a whole lot, man. Just getting closer to football. So I'm really, really excited about preseason football. I can't believe I'm saying that, but... We really are getting am. closer to football. That is how the march of time works. Um, we are <laughs> not in the studio today. We are in what we call the chapel. We've been promoted to video, DK. We're live, um, which is amazing. (laughs) Not live. We're just being recorded with cameras and stuff. So how about that? So I had to put more makeup on today than usual. Um, They refer to me as talent. And by that, I mean, I refer to myself as talent, which was a great moment for my life. That was really fun. (laughs) Craig, Craig is here. How are you doing, Craig? I'm not on camera. My dad always said I had a face for radio, so I'm off. (laughs) Well, that was a face for podcasts, but now they've given us podcast video. So who knows? It's all full circle. That's disappointing that Craig isn't on video. I think the people want to know what he looks like. DK, we're, we're here for a very special reason. Because The Ringer ranks a lot of stuff. We've ranked the best albums and singles from 1999, top TV episodes of the century, Steven Soderbergh movies, which I, I don't know how that happened, Southern rap albums, every episode of Kirby Enthusiasm, best fast food in America, which was a joke, but controversial, controversial to say the least. But today we have ranked something at The Ringer. <laughs> normally ranked, yes. which is fantasy football players. If you go to the ringer.com, what a great website. You can find the ringer's top 150 fantasy football players. We actually ranked PPR and standard scoring. So we have two lists and please check that out. You can hit the NFL tab or the fantasy tab. And we'll be also be doing a make the case series this week, which is like kind of spelling out our yep. favorite hot takes that we really believe. And so we're going to be going we're going to be going through the top 50 of our rankings this week. We, ag- we average them from you, Craig, myself, Riley McAtee, who is your editor. And we're going to be, we have analysis from Robert Mays and we're really excited. So we're going to be deep diving on the top 50. But before we do that, we're going to dive into a slightly bigger picture view of kind of how we view the top 50. Uh, Matthew Berry has an excellent rule that he helped coin for the first round that we adhere to, which is you can't win your draft yeah. in the first round, but you can lose it. It's part of like this broader philosophy that fantasy football is about minimizing risk, which I mean, that's your fantasy, right? Risk minimization. That's, that's fun. But as the draft goes on later, it becomes the opposite. It's like you go from avoiding risk to seeking it because eventually you're in the 140s and no one's good. And you might as well say, screw it, shoot for the stars. Usually you get Ricky Seals Jones and he sucks and you caught him after two weeks, but sometimes you get James (laughs) Conner or your personal nemesis, DK, Eric Ebron. So Oh, man. Fantasy drafts are kind of about going from that path of avoiding risk to seeking it. And the top 50 is fun because that's where that risk curve starts to bend. Uh, We think of sleepers as nobodies who could become somebodies, but a lot of times sleepers are actually people in the top 50. ESPN does a list every year of the players who were most commonly found on the teams that won their leagues on ESPN.com. Most of those players go in the top 50. Christian McCaffrey was number one. He was owned in 38% of leagues. 
Uh, Travis Kelsey was, he was top three. He was on 35% of champion teams. Adam Thielen, he was drafted 35th, and he was on a bunch of fantasy teams that won their championships. So sleepers can be in the top 50. League winners can be in the top 50. And we're going to keep that in mind as we're going through this. So DK, are you excited? I'm ready for this. Beautiful. Let's do All it. right, so we're going to run these through. Uh, we're going to run through these, not these through. At 10 at a time, we're going to run through who we're higher on than the average in our own list and who, who we're lower on. We're also going to note as we go the difference between PPR and standard. We're going to be focusing on PPR, but we will make sure to note the James Whites and other people who drop a lot in PPR and other people who rise in standard. Uh, so generally, yeah. people yeah. catch a lot of passes, people who don't. So... Shall we do it? Let's get into it. Do you want to just go down the list, I guess, then? Start with number one. Let's do it. I think that's a little bit, well, it might surprise a little. Drum roll? That. Can we get yeah. a drum roll? Can we get like a tap? Craig's giving me dagger eyes. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is our number one player. Yeah. Not Saquon. Uh, this is a brainchild of your editor, Riley McAtee, but we all agree with him. So we have McCaffrey at number one. Saquon's fallen to two. Ezekiel Elliott, three. Alvin Kamara at four. DeAndre Hopkins is at five. David Johnson's yep. at six. Devontae Adams is at seven. Julio Jones is at eight. Melvin Gordon's at nine. And Michael Thomas rounds it out at 10. Uh, those PPR, those are PPR rankings. So standard Michael Thomas and Julio might fall out of top 10, but. Yeah. So DK, who are you hyping from that top 10? When you're in the top 10, like there's a reason to be in the top 10. These guys are going to have tons and tons of volume, most likely. Uh, you know, highly talented players. That said, there's guys in this list that I'm more confident in. Um, and, and then there's guys that I'm less confident in right now. Uh, to me, the guy that I think, you know, really stands out as a can't lose type receiver is Devonte Adams of the Packers. I just think what he did last year and then going forward into this year, what I think the Packers offense is going to do um, just makes him a really, really safe bet in terms of the top 10. I mean, he was, pretty much matchup proof last season. He scored double digits, standard formats in all but one game, and then he never dipped below 16 points in PPR leagues. I mean, he was just really, really consistent. He's scored 35 touchdowns in the past three seasons, which is second only to Antonio Brown at receiver, which I don't think a lot of people realize. Like, he's just a touchdown machine. His feet don't have the same blisters either. It was, and well, yeah, he's he's not running on hot sand or whatever. So um, <laughs> that's a positive. I, I just think, you know, after having a couple bad seasons to start his career, I think people kind of like in their mind, maybe just kind of wrote him off a little bit, but now he's a clear cut superstar. Um, there's also some, I think, reasons to be bullish on the Packers offense going forward. Aaron Rodgers finished a full two percentage points off his career average and touchdown percentage last year. Six, uh, His career average is 6.2. Last year, it was 4.2%. Um, you know, history tells us that quarterbacks tend to have tend to hover around their career average, so he could be due for some positive regression going forward. That means potentially Adams gets more touchdowns. And just going forward, the Packers offense could make a jump with, you know, the change in scheme and, and just overall, like, regression back up, like, towards where Aaron Rodgers, I think, is his potential is. So, overall, I'm hyping Adams. I think he is a good, safe bet in the top 10. You just pick him and you don't have to worry about it. Fun yeah. stat about mm -hmm. Devontae Adams and just speaks to his consistency, which is exactly what you want in your first round pick. Guys, if you took Devontae Adams' worst fantasy game from 2018 and extrapolated that to an entire season's worth, he would still have finished as a wide receiver one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That Look at Craig with the stat. You know, I love that stat. That's, that's, that's perfect. Stat. Thank you. Crap. Thank you, Craig, you know, for making my case. Something to be said for reliability. 
Wow. Absolutely. Um, and look, we know that from, I mean, Greg Jennings on that there's always been value in having Aaron Rodgers as number one receiver and like Jordy Nelson and the chemistry. But now we kind of know a better idea of why, because now we've learned this offseason how much he was going off script on plays and not doing the play call. So now we kind of <laughs> see really what that means to be on, on the same page with Aaron Rodgers, which is whatever page Aaron wants to be on. So I like that a lot. DK, who are you fading from this top 10? I don't love doing this, but I just it's ner- it makes me nervous to pick Melvin Gordon in the top 10. I just think, obviously, his upside is clearly there. That's why he's in the top 10. I mean, he could end up getting a ton of volume. But, I mean, when you look at the fact he's holding out, um, the Chargers have a couple really good backs behind him that could kind of fill in. He's got the injury history to go on top of all that. Um and I just think there's potential for him to kind of regress, you know, back in, in production too. So I just think overall, you know, in PBR especially, like if if they end up giving Eckler more chances to catch the football, he was obviously one of the most efficient guys in the NFL as a receiver. Um, all that points to a, a slight, you know, downgrade in his overall fantasy value. So he's a guy that kind of makes me nervous picking in the top 10. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a complete bust, not like the Melvin or not like the Leonard Fournette last year type bust. But um, when you're talking about like choosing him versus Michael Thomas or Julio Jones, who are just going to go off, I think um, that's why it makes me a little bit nervous. I'm not so worried about it right now because in reality, I hope nobody's drafting their fantasy teams on August 5th. We still have a couple weeks at least to kind of see how this plays out. I think he will report within those two weeks. If not, then I, I'm not, I'll downgrade him then. But uh, when we get yeah. halfway through the preseason, he's still not there, then I'd be willing to drop him significantly. But not quite yet because I think he shows. Uh, the person in the top 10 that I'm very on is Julio Jones. I mean, yes. so we have him eighth behind DeAndre and Devontae. I like the argument you made for Devontae, but I have him right there with DeAndre. I actually, I kind of like him a little bit better than DeAndre this year. So he was in the second half, Julio was the best wide receiver in standard scoring. And then he was basically tied in PPR with DeAndre. He was behind by like less than a full point. So, I mean, less than a catch in this half of a season. He, yeah. Also, you know how like Julio did not have a touchdown from week one to seven and everyone made a huge deal of it? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, sometimes I pause and do it myself, and sometimes I, I'm that waiting. Was rhetorical. <laughs> well, I was waiting. Yeah, it was, but I wanted a participatory rhetorical. Anyway, the point is, Julio Jones led the league in touchdowns for the second half of the season. He also led the league in yards and targets. I was going there, but thank you, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we talk a lot about how touchdowns are random, and what that means is that over the course of the NFL season, like picking the handful of plays that actually end up in the end zone. There's so much game planning that goes into it that it's such a small sample. It can't really be predicted. But other things that are great predictors of success, like yards per route run, Julio's led for four years in a row. And now that that touchdown, he kind of broke the seal in the second half. I think that he's actually the most consistent guy going forward. And I, I also, yeah, I, I'm all in on Julio and not fading DeAndre, but I think he's a little riskier than people think, specifically because he was really banged up last year. He told Bleach Report, quote, it's the most banged up I've ever been playing football. I was dealing with serious injuries a lot of people would have sat down for. Uh, mm. Like a shoulder injury that wasn't totally disclosed during the regular season. Um, so it's nitpicking there, but another Matthew Berry rule, you have to nitpick at the top, and Julio's healthier and more reliable. So he's love just, Julio. Julio's just boring. That's the only reason why people don't pick him number one overall. Is he's he's thirty years old. He's been around longer than the other guys. He's not as flashy. And he's just boring. He's yeah, and Devontae Adams is titillating. He's the Tim Duncan of wide receivers. That's not that's an insult. Julio <laughs> Jones actually, uh, you know what? He kind of he, he likes to fish. <laughs> oh, that's why it's okay. Okay. No, I guess he is. Wow, 
At first, I thought you were just talking hot, like, out of your ass, but maybe. We'll consult Shea Serrato on all Duncan-related <laughs> comparisons. Um, we can also explain to him who Julio Jones is. Shea, come on, Danacy. <laughs> Shea, come on, Danacy. Oh, yes. We have all to right, that. Moving on. Uh, we're going to run through 11 to 20. We have At 11, we have Odell Beckham Jr., followed by James Conner. Then we have Le'Veon Bell, Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster. Should I be reading the team names? At some point, people will stop. No, people, people know what teams right. these guys are on. Like the yeah. mid-20s people. That's where it drops off. Maybe, yeah, start down the All list. Right. Joe Mixon bit. on the Bengals, Dalvin Cook on the Vikings, Todd Gurley on the Rams, Antonio Brown on the Raiders, and Mike Evans on the Bucks. Although Antonio Brown, who knows with this foot blister, whatever the hell's going on there. So, DK, <laughs> yeah. who are you hyping from that uh, 11 to 20? I wanted to go with Beckham, but since he's at the top of this group, I don't know if that really makes any sense. So I decided to go with Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's actually maybe a little bit low on this list. This, To be fair, this is a consensus list between all of us. Um, and now I'm a little bit nervous we ranked him a little bit low. I think going forward— well, no, no, no. We, you know, are, we are you because you're allowed to call out the other three of us. That's like the whole point of the exercise. <laughs> No, me me too. I think like I might have probably ranked I actually ranked him lower than you guys. So now that I'm looking at this, I'm just like, man, I probably should have ranked him no, higher. No, no, we're gonna be clear on this point. I think I had him higher than you. So you you ranked oh, sorry, him. Sorry, I was let's see here. Yeah. <laughs> Danny, you had him at number eleven. Yeah, I did. Love Juju. So you're gonna like what I have to say here. Uh yeah, Antonio Brown's gone, obviously, so that clears up a ton of targets for him. Um, and on top of that, there's very little competition kind of behind that. Obviously, with Moncrief, Washington, um, you know, Deontay Johnson potentially or whatever. Like whoever ends up being behind him is going to be like a distant second ter- in terms of I think like his role in the offense. So Smith Schuster has a chance to just get a massive number of targets, which obviously like tends to correlate to a lot of points. I think he's going to have his potential to. You know, go double digits and touchdowns. Um, I think he actually scored fewer touchdowns than expected last season, so he could regress in the right direction for that. Um, and then there's just reports that you're reading out of camp that he's taken his game to a whole new level. So, I mean, he just has the potential to completely go off. I think um, as the def- as the now official number one in that offense, um, you know, he could make a big jump. And so now I'm kind of like just looking at our rankings now, I'm almost like regretting putting him a little bit too low. So um, he's the guy I'm hyping. I, I think he's another guy. You just take it. You take him in the draft and you don't have to worry about it. Are you worried at all about him being the number one receiver in that offense for the first time? Because life's kind of nice when Antonio Brown's on the other side of the field. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not really. I think he's, you know, I think he's a really good player. They move him around the formation. Um, I think teams are already worried about him, you know, just basically, um, what he's able to do kind of all over the field, his size, his, his physicality, all that, his ability to run after the catch. So, yeah, I mean, clearly, you know, defense are going to be keying in on it, in on him a little bit more. But in the Steelers offense, there's going to be tons and tons of volume. I think he's still, um, you know, he's he's good enough to, like, just take his game to the next level. So, yeah, I like him a lot this year. I also love he had that YouTube video on his channel that it was just him pillow fighting people in the streets of Pittsburgh. It's great stuff. But DK, who, who, speaking of pillow fights, who are you not liking in this second round? I mean, this one's easy. It's Todd Gurley of the Rams. I mean, obviously, again, he has incredible upside. Even if he has a diminished workload, he could potentially still be a running back one. But um, the knee thing worries me. And just everything that's coming out of Rams camp, all the all the evidence that we have this offseason points to um, you know, potential injury that makes him fade badly over the last second, like the second half of the year. Like we saw, you know, it wasn't a whole second half last year, but it was just towards the very end. But, um, 
they're obviously trying to mitigate that from happening. That could end up being a huge um, decrease in his volume. And then, yeah, I just like the injury thing really worries me. I think that their offense is going to change. And Danny, you've talked about this, like their offensive line is totally different this year. So that could make his efficiency go down. There's just a lot of, you know, things kind of layers to why he doesn't look like he's going to be as dominant or nearly as dominant as a fantasy player this year as he was last couple of seasons. So, um, yeah, it goes you know, back I'm just to, kind of like it goes back to the wrist thing we, we mentioned at the top. I can't take Todd Gurley when Mike Evans is there and Mike Evans, I can put in the bank and you just know how good he's going to be. Right. And that's exactly right. It's opportunity cost. I mean, I'm just letting other people take him at this point. Like they can they can take him and he might be, you know, the league winner type kind of guy for him for them. But he also could miss like six or seven games. Like it wouldn't surprise me even remotely. So, um, yeah, that's just kind of the deal. Like I just all the evidence is pointing in one direction, man. And, and hopefully he overcomes it. But I'm not taking that risk. The person I'm willing to take a risk on, and going back to the Steelers for a second, James Conner. I feel like people have completely forgotten how good James Conner was last year. He, yeah. before that, in, that ankle injury he had in week 13, he was the running back five in all of fantasy. He was only behind Todd Gurley, Saquon, Alvin Kamara, and McCaffrey. And then he kind of gets dinged in PPR because he's not perceived as a pass catcher. But through week 13, he was ninth in receptions from by all running backs. And he was seventh among all running backs in targets. And then this year, he's probably going to get more volume because last year, the Steelers led the league in passing attempts, but were 31st in rushing attempts. So they're right. going to completely reverse that. I mean... I think that's something they had to do because Le'Veon was gone and they're like, oh shit, we can't do half the shit we were thinking of. So they had to run less. This year, they have a whole offseason to plan and they're going to get back to about league average in both. So Connor, I mean, they're going to have maybe a hundred more rushing attempts on the season. So there's room for Jalen Samuels, who was compared today on The Athletic to uh, Le'Veon Bell in terms of like he can line up as a receiver and all over the field, but they might play him on the th- at the same time. Like th- right. there's so much more r- rushing in this offense that, there's room for Jalen Samuels to carve out a role. Connor's still as a top five season among all running backs, but he's going like outside the top seven or eight. So I love yeah. where he's at. I mean, I'll I'll believe the idea that they're going to like split reps between Samuels and, and Connor when I see it, because obviously we've heard this in the past. And I remember, I feel like I remember when when Le'Veon came back, um, and uh, they were going to go like they they were talking about going to a timeshare between him and D'Angelo Williams. And then it was just all Le'Veon from there. They they always do, or at least they've always done sort of just a very heavy bell cow type thing. They just, they just lean on one guy and they go with it. Now that could change, but... Well, the flip side is that actually started when Le'Veon showed up because before that, they always had the combo. What was it? Willie Parker and Jerome? You're the Steelers fan, Craig. Give us all the... Con- Rashard Mendenhall, who you see splitting carries with. <laughs> um, Rashard Mendenhall? I, he should have been splitting carries with somebody much more than he oh, was. I just TBT'd you. Isaac Redman? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, God yeah. knows. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, let's yeah, do, let's, moving let's on. on. Uh, the third round, we have Tyree Kill, George Kittle, Zach Ertz, Nick Chubb on the Browns, Keenan Allen on the Chargers, Damian Williams <laughs> the on the teams. Chiefs. I, yeah, I just did that in the middle. I just... <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's like when you're at a CVS and they're like, do you want your receipt? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just, it, there's no rhyme or reason. <laughs> what am I going to do with Sure, this? hand it to yeah. me. I'll throw it in the trash 10 feet over there. Yeah, I just feel it in the moment. I'm just like, say yes, no, there's no. Anyway, sometimes I'll read the team. Sometimes I won't. T.Y. Hilton on the Colts. Adam Thielen on the Vikings. Leonard Fournette of the Jaguars. And Aaron Jones and the Packers rounds it out. Yeah. Uh, DK, who are you hyping from that tier? 
I love George Kittle. I mean, he is just, I think he's potential to be the overall tight end one this year. Obviously, he's got, you know, I got a lot of competition, uh, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz and everything. But um, I still feel like he's just sort of, you know, the tip of the iceberg with what he can do in that offense. Obviously, last year, um, the offense was run mostly through Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard. Uh, this <laughs> That's year. a funny sentence. Is that the right name? No, no, it is, I mean, but just keep going. C. It's C. funny to think about that. Uh, for the longest time, I thought, this is an aside, I thought C.J. Beathard's name was pronounced Beathard. And so that was kind of... Usually uh, hype is the one who's pronouncing. Not. Yeah, I'm the one who gets three <laughs> names wrong. I mean, it's better than um, some other variations of that. But yeah, but Jimmy Jimmy G, going back in that offense, you have. To, I, I think if you're bullish on Jimmy G... Um, and then you have to be really bullish on this offense. And Kittle is the number one guy in that offense. And last year he led the NFL in yards after the catch, which is kind of an amazing stat for a 255-pound tight end. Um, you know, he actually averaged 10.2 yards after the catch per reception. So, I mean, the guy's just a monster in the open field. Um, he's due for probably a little bit of regression maybe in his yardage total but i think he's actually gonna score more touchdowns this year than he did last season that could really bump up his scoring you know obviously per game so i'm really i'm bullish on kittle i really like him i think he's got a very solid floor and in that offense if it takes a jump like the the sky is the limit with this guy yeah we're going to talk about this when we do a tight ends episode but basically the whole position has just become like the top tears just my cup runneth over and the bottom is just like please sir can i have some more like please austin hooper like spare me um yeah but Kittle- that's uh craig craig's childhood nemesis austin oh yeah hooper. pine yes. valley middle school alum what happened again did he like run you over in baseball or what happened no he's just kind of a jerk in intramural baseball <laughs> we're gonna go into this really i love that a narrative pot about that. this coming now he's narrative pot. <laughs> true crime did he oh, push man. craig down on that on the playground um I, I mean, I love Kittle too. I don't love Ertz at his price and I don't love Kelsey at his price. And that's where you're, I, yeah. I think we agree on Ertz, that Ertz is. Yeah. Ooh. And that's, that's kind of like a good, you know, segue to my next point, which is uh, oh, I'm you. less confident on Ertz going forward. I think he's priced to reflect his 2018 season, which is probably un you know, unrepeatable. It's not, um, you know, I think he set a career high in, in targets, yards, catches. I, I'm not looking at his stats right now, but I'm guessing those are all career <laughs> highs. <laughs> and, uh, Oh, yeah. Sorry. His previous career high was 78 in receptions. He caught 116 passes last year. So um, he might regress in that in that sense. Obviously, you know, getting Deshaun Jackson, uh, Jay Jaw, letting uh, Goddard get more involved. I think obviously there's just a lot of weapons in that offense. And last year it really ran through Ertz. And I think it could be, um, you know, they could spread it out a little. I think even Ertz even said that. Like, he's he's admitted it's probably going to be hard for him to kind of match what he did last season. That's so. a really important point, and we touched on this with the Steelers. You know, we always talk about scheme changes when there's a new coach, but sometimes that happens when there's no coaching changes. So I think the Steelers and the Eagles both had similar things, which is some point around mid-August, they're like, oh, we can't be the offense we thought they would. The Steelers, Le'Veon's not showing up. The Eagles last year was, I mean, Wentz wasn't practicing for a while, or at least not with pads on. Alshon Jeffrey was not healthy for quite a while and they were just very banged up and they just, Ertz just had to do it. He had to fill that role and that's how you go from having, you know, what, 80 targets to breaking the record for targets by a tight end in a season. (laughs) And it's just, they don't need him to do that this year. So he won't. It's all about finding value per their ADP or whatever. I just think he's priced at last year and I'm just going to probably be looking elsewhere. Obviously, I think he's a great player and he's still going to be a fantasy factor, but um, 
you know, with that second pick, you got to get really good value. And so, um, yeah, that's guy I'm probably going to be avoiding in a lot of drafts. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm hyping Kittle. We don't need to elaborate on that. Kittle's George Kittle, good <laughs> at football. Uh, people yeah. I'm fading. don't love in this class. Um, Tyree Kill, don't want to root for him. Don't need to elaborate. The other person yeah. I don't like at their average draft position here, Adam Thielen. Uh, the Vikings entered 2018 with John DeFilippo as their offensive coordinator. Another name I can't say. DeFilippo, Filippo. Anyway, he was the quarterback's coach for the yeah. Eagles Super Bowl team. Very pass happy. The Vikings were six in pass attempts last year and 27th in rushing, uh, rushing attempts. So you, that happened immediately. Like Thielen had 100 or more receiving yards in the first eight games of the year. No one in the Super Bowl era had ever started a campaign with more than five in a row, and he had eight. Yeah. But he had 100 yards just once the rest of the way. And there was just a massive target disparity in his first and second half. Look at Moe's over there, sad Vikings fan. Just, oh, poor Moe's. <laughs> but so the first half, Thielen had the league-leading 96 targets, league-leading 74 catches, was the fantasy wide receiver one in PPR, obviously. Second half, 57 targets, which was 23rd, 39 catches, which was 22nd. He was the wide receiver 20 in the second half. Not great. I mean, it's good, yeah. but it's not great. So I can see how we ended up ranking him around 12th. You know, it's like, oh, wide receiver one for the first half, wide receiver 20 for the second half, like, uh, smash them together. It's like 12-ish. But no, <laughs> they, that happened because Mike Zimmer was like, hey, John DeFilippo, if you don't run more, I'm going to fire you. And then John DeFilippo kind of decided to pass less to run more, but not enough. And then he fired John DeFilippo and the Vikings ran more in December. Now they've had the whole offseason and they hired Gary Kubiak because they want to run more. So they're going to go from passing the sixth most. They might pass the sixth least this year. And I think that Thielen's second half is way more indicative of what could happen this year than uh, the first half, sadly. So I'd rather have, I mean, Aaron Jones, Carryon Johnson, Damian Williams, Marlon Mack, even like Leonard Fournette. Those are guys that are kind of going after Thielen and drafts right now. I would rather have all of them over Thielen this year. I mean, yeah, and like it, it's a very small sample size. But if you look at the last three games uh, when Kevin Stefanski took over as the OC, Diggs out-targeted Thielen 23-12. to 12. So that could be indicative of kind of the direction they're going. Maybe Diggs starts to uh, ascend as like the go-to guy in that offense. We'll see. Obviously, again, that's a small sample size, but could be indicative of Thielen sort of being more of just like a deeper threat. Diggs was getting a lot of sort of um, the intermediate stuff. And so uh, that could be something to monitor. And Craig, this is, I know this is very near and dear to your heart. Who are you hyping in this in this? Top not, God, where are we? Twenty to thirty. So I'm hyping Leonard Fournette, who previously has been the part of an award about busts on our last podcast <laughs> called the Leonard Fournette Award. But this year will be different. Leonard Fournette has had a bad career. He's averaged three point seven yards per carry. But it's all going to change this year. We do have a we have a new head coach, John DeFilippo, formerly with the Vikings. But now everything's different for Fournette. He's got a whole new world. He's got Nick Foles at quarterback, a which is a new world. <laughs> I don't know, a 10 times upgrade from Blake Bortles. Shouts out Blake Bortles. I love that guy. Um, also, <laughs> I last saw him yesterday. Ray, he almost knocked me over at Rams camp. <laughs> I turned around. I'm like, who's this guy? I was like, is that Blake Bortles? And then I, I almost fell over. But, Sorry, keep going. So they lost TJ Yeldon, which is 78 <laughs> targets up for grabs. And they drafted Rykel Armstead, who caught 29 passes in 47 college games. So Fournette will be involved in the passing game a lot. And the Jags are going to be so much better this year. From an offensive line standpoint, the whole left side of their line was hurt last year. They got all those guys yeah. back, Cam Robinson, Andrew Norwell, Brandon Linder. They drafted a guy, Jawan Taylor. So they're going to have an above-average O-line for sure. 
They're going to feature the hell out of him. He's already got 16 touchdowns in his career already, which is why in only the 21 games he's played, which is why he's had some success. Like last year, he was the RB12 uh, through his eight healthy games in PPR. So yeah. he's actually not, he hasn't been as bad as people think. And this is the year where it will kind of all come together and we'll actually get to see the talent that we all saw he had in college. I say Barkley market corrected Leonard Fournette. That's my pick. You speak with such a passion. It's like, I don't even think you have to know English to know you're just in love with Leonard Fournette. It's like, I, I haven't seen Citizen Kane, but I think he's your rosebud. I don't really know what that means, but okay. it sounds like what other people say when they say that. Yeah. I feel the same about Tyler Ivory, but we'll get to that later. He, the looks I, I just got from saying I haven't seen Citizen Kane in this room from all these video people is really tough. <laughs> Fournette, feels, Fournette feels priced right to me, too. I think, you know, because last year, I want to say he was 10th overall in ADP and in, in PPR leagues. Um, and now, you know, obviously after last season, he's fallen quite a bit. I, I think in this spot, it's, it's an okay, it's like not too crazy and not too risky to take him right there. So I think the price is, is generally much better this year. Obviously, I don't think it would be a shock if next year he was getting drafted in the end of the first round as like the RB six. Well, it's like, cause if, if he is, then it's like, oh yeah, they got rid of Blake Bortles and then they were good. Oh yeah, that was that wasn't that hard. It would make That's, so much sense yeah. next year. We'd look back and be like, wow, revision. That was history. simple. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. in on Fournette. All right, thirty-one to forty. We have Stefan Diggs on the Vikings, Julian Edelman on the Patriots, Marlon Mack on the Colts, Devontae Freeman on the Falcons, Brandon Cook on Brandon Cooks on the Rams. It doesn't Cookie Cooks. Amari Cooper on the Cowboys, Derek Henry on the Titans, Tyler Lockett down on the Seahawks. Robert Woods on the Rams, and then Cooper Cup on the Rams, which, I mean, that usually when two players in the same team are ranked next to each other, it's because you can't pick. It's the coward's way out, but it's okay. Our rankings are fine. DK, <laughs> who are you hyping from that group? I'm excited about Cooper Cup this season. Um, my dude, Scott Barrett over at PFF, tweeted this like two weeks ago. Last season, he played in six full games. He didn't leave that, that he didn't leave due to injury, uh, and he averaged 20.6 fantasy points per game, which would have ranked fifth in PPR. Um, so that to me is significant. Like it's, you could get significant value at that spot right now. He's a wide receiver 20 um, in ADP. And so, yeah, he's just the kind of guy who's, and this is an overall strategy I think that you can really use is to look at per game averages from last season, what guys are scoring on a per game average and, and project, obviously project that out for a whole year. If cup can stay healthy, um, he has the potential to be a major, major value. This is actually this exactly the same with Edelman. Like Edelman's obviously he missed the first four uh, games to, to uh, suspension, but then he came in and um, I think people just didn't really realize how dominant he was in PPR um, because he missed those first game, first four games and his totals were off. So um, those two guys to me really stand out in this group. Like they could outplay their ADP by a lot and in, the, in their ranking by a lot. I could not agree more. Yeah, be very careful looking at season-long rankings because the per-game averages are much more indicative. Um, yeah. Who are you fading from that group? So I'm not – I can't – I don't think I've been in a draft where I've taken Derrick Henry. I just think, obviously, again, it's, the upside is there, but his downside is his floor to me is way lower than a lot of the people, a lot of players around him in this group. Just based on I'm in his general. Floor just is his whole career. It's what he's been doing. <laughs> yeah. Except for four games. Well, it's people look at those like games and they're like, oh, he could be a monster, obviously. You know, he could he could just be a league winner or whatever. But I just like I'm fading the Titans offense overall. Like I just can't get excited about it. I think, you know, Marcus Mariota has to really, really kind of come around and um, you know, 
get out <laughs> get out of the funk he's been in for whatever the last couple seasons. Um, and 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 if he does that, maybe like he has a chance. But like I just still, I'm just worried about that offense. I'm generally speaking, staying away from that offense. So Henry to me feels high at this spot. I've Derek Henry is Amari Cooper, and Amari Cooper is the friend zone, which is there's like two nights a year that make you think, oh man, maybe there's something there, and it's like no, they'll never be there for you reliably, and like give up. <laughs> Who hurt have you? Some self-awareness. It's like insane. Uh, <laughs> Craig, other than Derek, well, do you want to get your Derek Henry in dig or your Derek Henry dig in or you already got it? Uh, I got it in. It's okay. Oh, okay, good. Uh, I'm fading <laughs> Diggs and Thielen. I'm just going to be quick with this. Just yeah. the other receiver duos on the same team that are going high are Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and then the Rams guys. And it's like those two offenses make sense. High octane, verticality. And then you come to this Kevin Stefanski offense and you got... Thielen and Diggs are going currently, yes. according to Fantasy Pros, as the wide receiver 12 and the wide receiver 14. There's yes. just no way they're going to return that value. Dude, yes. It's like one of the, which of these are not like the other? And <laughs> yes. it's like, oh, Ram, two Rams receivers in an offense that passes all the time. Two Bucks, two Bucks receivers, offense that will pass all the time. Two Vikings receivers that, what? They want to run? It's oh, like, and both of them are going higher than any of those other guys. So I would recommend waiting a round or two to see if you can get them. And if not, be okay with it. Completely agree. Uh, yeah, I have. I'm, I'm going to just punt on this because I have a hot take coming in a moment. 41 to 50. We're going to run through this. Carry on Johnson on the Lions. Josh Jacobs on the Raiders. Kenny Galladay, Baby Tron. Who did you just snipe his nickname for your child, DK? I did. Okay, yes. So, so. Uh, fake Baby Tron, Kenny Galladay. Uh, James White on the Patriots is 44th. My beloved Mark Ingram on the Ravens at 45. Chris Godwin, <laughs> as Craig just invoked for the Bucks at 46. 47th is Chris Carson, Danny's beloved, S Seattle. And Tyler Great Boyd value. on the Bengals, 48th. Allen Robinson on the Bears at 49. And rounding out the top 50 is Calvin Ridley on the Falcons. Yeah. Some nonsense shenanigans going on there. But DK, who are you hyping from that group? This is a fascinating group. Uh, this is like, actually, you know, can I just like get my hot take in there? Yeah, get it. I in. would fire it off. I would flip this round in the other round. I, was I would about take to say, I like these this guys better than the other one. Over the thirties, I would take the forties <laughs> over the thirties. <laughs> which is how you know our rankings are screwed up. That's funny. Uh, so the guy that I'm hyping in this group is Josh Jacobs. Obviously, you know when when every anytime you have a rookie, um, you add, you had a little bit of risk, obviously, because you haven't seen him in the NFL. There was already questions about Jacobs' like speed coming into the NFL and, and whether he deserved to be a first-round pick. I really like Josh Jacobs. I think he's going to get a massive amount of, of uh, volume in that offense. I think, obviously, uh, Gruden picked him to be their bell cow. Um, he doesn't have any real competition right now for early downs other than Doug Martin, which I think was sort of just like a backup plan for them. He's insurance in case in case Jacobs gets hurt. Um, and Gruden actually said it. I think it was after the draft. He was like, my expectation for him, if you're listening, Josh, I encourage you to get some rest because we're going to run you a lot. Um, and then Jacobs actually recently said, Gruden is telling me we expect you to win rookie of the year. So um, he's going to get tons and tons of volume as long as he doesn't completely just like flunk out at everything. Um and then in addition to that, I saw, I saw this Vic Tafura, the athletic, said he could inherit a good chunk of Jalen Richard's 81 targets from last season too. So he has potential as a three-down back, and you're getting him right now. We got him ranked 20, uh, 42nd. So like you're getting him in the, in the third or fourth round or whatever, like depending on your draft. And so um, that to me is great value. I think he's good enough to win that role and, and take over kind of in that backfield. 
he, I think Gruden wants him to be sort of like the identity for their run game and everything like that. So um, I really like Josh Jacobs. I think he could have a huge impact in, in year one. And right now I think he's probably slightly underpriced. One note that I think is going to kill Josh Jacobs' value is hard knocks, and it happens every year. You fall in love with a guy, <laughs> he's going to get hyped the hell out of it. And I guarantee you his 80 people jump by like 8 to 10. This is the best take Craig has had in the entire calendar year. If you're year. drafting now, do it before hard knocks starts. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's yeah. so factual. Wow. that's Right I'm now his ADP is RB, his running back 18. Yeah. And I think he could finish easily as an RB1. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, you're right. Hard knocks will sap the value from that. Uh, Deacon, we we agree on this next one. Uh, how the hell yeah. did Calvin Ridley make it at the top 50? What is going on? Well, here, I'll tell you why. Because he has potential to have 1,000 yards and uh, like over 100 targets. But last year as a rookie, he had 10 touchdowns, I think. And that was, according to PFF's like numbers, that was five more than expected. <laughs> They're like so numbers? That's that's based on you know the number of targets and yards and, and, and catches and all that. Right now, I think he'll end up getting... He'll probably improve his numbers, in, in, like I said, in yards and targets, but five fewer touchdowns or more well, potentially. That early season touchdown know. binge was because it, the first three games of the year, they were like, oh, they have this freaking rookie who is not fast next to Julio Jones. We're going to like triple Julio Jones and just see if this yeah. rookie can beat single coverage. And yeah. plot twist, he can, and he did. And that's why he was like the number one wide receiver after three games. And then they're like, okay, we can't leave him alone with our worst cornerback. And that explains like half of his fantasy season. And so I think that there's so much, we were just talking about averages versus like per game. I mean, he was a completely, they treated him, once they treated him differently, he had a completely different season. He's a serviceable wide receiver too in real life, but he's not one of the more productive wide receiver twos in fantasy, I don't think. And I, I, think, yeah. it's, I think it's very divorced from the reality of what they're doing on the field. And I had a couple guys like this was again, this was a consensus ranking. I had a couple guys above him. We'll talk about snubs after I'm this. Just but... do it now. Well, who did you, who we, do you, uh... well, here's the, our rule is if you want to put someone who was snubbed, you have to take someone out. So who are you swapping out Calvin Ridley for? I'm, if I'm sitting there on the clock and DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley are both there, I'm going DJ Moore every time. I just think Moore has the potential to have a true breakout season this year. I think the the Panthers' offense overall is a buy offense. I'm going to be writing about that actually later this week. Just Ooh. I really like I like Curtis Samuel. I like Ian Thomas. I like you know Greg Olson at his ADP right now. Obviously McCaffrey is number one on our list right now, but I really like Cam Newton to his value. That whole offense, I think, is going to make a big jump forward with a healthy Cam Newton. DJ Moore, I think, is their number one guy. Amazing after the catch. Um, we He's have to give shown a shout-out to Maryland's finest for Mallory Rubin, who actually I'm feuding with, so I wish I didn't do that. But, <laughs> um, but I mean, as like as a rookie, he he had like incredible numbers, like in efficiency numbers. He, I think he's just he's got a really good chance to have like a big second year breakout. Um, and so he's a guy that I really like. I think his talent is there, and then he's going to get more volume this year. So I like him a lot more. I think. I mean, I don't think Ridley's a bad pick because again, I think he's going to get volume, but. I like Moore's upside a little bit more. Yeah, the person I'm, I mean, we're high. We're so uh, the company is ten spots higher on Mark Ingram. Our rankings uh, than cons- uh, than like the consensus on Fantasy Pros, which is kind of wild. Yeah, I'm ten spots higher on Mark Ingram than our own rankings. <laughs> I, love I love it, Mark Ingram this year. I mean, we talked about this on the Running Backs Pod. Uh, I just, I mean, the Ravens are going to lead the NFL in rushing. They might lead all teams in the 21st century, and yet Ingram's going. We have him 45th here, and then I think 
the other guys in that backfield are unranked and are not being drafted in mock drafts right now. doesn't really make sense, so I love him. Uh, running through the rest of this list, James White's at 44. Obviously, if this was not a PPR league, James White would fall down, although Craig loves to point it out. He was still really effective in standard last year, although that was a lot of touchdown scoring that might not repeat. Um, the person that I think was snubbed egregiously here is Sony Michelle. Speaking mm. of James White, it's because he's their goal line back, and Bill Barnwell did a great piece where it's, if you look at players who break as many 20-plus yard rushes, which is, I mean, they define as explosives. I think explosives, you got to do 40, but I don't know. Soft league nowadays. <laughs> no, no. It's 20's not explosive. Get out of here. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. A lot of teams use, like, a lot of teams use 12 yards for an explosive run, I Well, believe. the point is Tony Michelle's going to score more touchdowns in 2019 based on math. That's the point. I can't believe he's left out of the top 50. I don't know if, what you guys are doing. Well, people are scared of his knee. And I think that's Don't live in fear, DK. This is the wrist <laughs> thing. We're at, we're at 50 overall. It's a valid concern. He's, you know, missed time already this preseason. Um, but I, I'm overall, like, I'm with you, though. I think in, in that offense, um, I mean, we saw at the end of last season, they were running so many different um, styles of runs and, and run formations and just doing so much cool stuff with their run game. And they really started to lean on it. And I think they could end up doing that again this year based on what they've got in their receiver core this season. Um, I think Sony Michelle has a lot of upside still, you know, ca- catching passes, which he could actually end up kind of eating into James White's bottom line too in that sense. Last year they were very, very predictive based on which running backs they had on the field. Like if it was Sony Michelle was on the field, they ran like every time. And then if White was on the field, they pass every time. So I don't know if they're going to continue to do that. Maybe they'll try and use Sony as a pass catcher a little bit more. Um, kind of throw defenses off, but uh, I yeah, like I think White is a good value. He's at, at this spot in this area. Um, he's a good kind of like I think it's like a little bit risky, but at the same time, you, the payoff could be huge. So I, I'm actually kind of with you. Sony Michelle is one of those guys who rises a lot in non PPR leagues, so I maybe I understand that here, but well, no, no, I still don't. But he would be a riser in standard. A couple other guys I do want to mention that would rise in standard: uh, Nick Chubb. I think he's a guy that probably rises mm. a good amount in standard, at least from the middle of the, of the third round to the top. Uh, guys who fall in PPR, Zach Ertz is probably someone, I mean, we have uh, top of the third round, and then that's someone who definitely falls, I mean, you know, led all tight ends and NFL history targets last year, so it's tough in non-PPR. Uh, Julian Edelman probably falls yeah. in PPR, or yeah. non-PPR, sorry. And then Derrick Henry definitely yeah. falls in PPR, but would rise in standard even though God knows. Who knows what that? Yeah, be. I mean, it's essentially like if you if you're looking if you're playing a standard league, you know the the receptions for the running backs thing is is not very impactful. So the Tariq Cohens of the world are worth so much more in PPR than they are in standard league. So yeah, that's just something to keep in mind when you're drafting. Craig, do you have, who is snubbed? Who is egregiously snubbed, and who would you swap out for that person? I don't know if it's egregious, but in this take world we live in, I I guess I have to say it's egregious. Uh, <laughs> I just be love, all or nothing. <laughs> I just love Evan Ingram, and I would probably swap him for Calvin Ridley. I don't know. I think Evan Ingram is has the chance to be one of the four or five tight ends to receive a hundred plus targets this year. I think he could see more targets than guys we have listed above him, like Chris Godwin and Calvin Ridley, who both received under a hundred last spicy. year. Ooh, that's, that's spicy. I like that. Uh, he was the tight end five his rookie year, and albeit that was because Odell Beckham and Brandon Marshall were hurt, but you know who's not on that team this year? <laughs> Odell Beckham and Brandon Marshall. So, yeah. It was mostly Odell Beckham. It wasn't so much Brandon Marshall. <laughs> it was like, oh, man, the Giants are missing Brandon Marshall, dude. What are they going to do? <laughs> Holy shit. 
team screw. It's like actually now the Corey Coleman thing is like, oh, what are they going to do that Corey Coleman? It's like that's not the problem. Uh, all right, now we have to get to the cloud that's been looming over this whole exercise that we are just getting to now. Uh, I'm sure some astute people have observed this. We have no quarterbacks in the top 50. The yeah. the Ringer.com hates quarterbacks, but I just want to <laughs> end this by discussing the kind of grand strategy of just waiting on quarterbacks. Obviously, that's in du jour, but we, I mean, Mahomes is being drafted. Fantasy Pros, which aggregates an average of like CBS and, and Yahoo of all these different sites. He's going 19th on ESPN. Mahomes is going on average in mock drafts 18th. We have him outside the top 50. So DK, mm. Are you just waiting on quarterbacks? Doesn't matter. Is there a point where you would take Mahomes? Are you really going to wait till 50th to take Mahomes? I mean, I'm not taking Mahomes in a one quarterback league, a one quarterback redraft league. Um, I just think, in addition to his potential to like regress, which is a real thing, like, you know, he could potentially regress, even if he has like an overall like QB1 year, the value. There's just so much more value. There's so much more opportunity cost of taking an, like to taking a quarterback there versus another. Yeah, and position. to clarify what you mean for a moment, so when you say regress, the kind of line in Mahomes this year is that last year, I mean, it was the second best fantasy season of all time. There was Latanian Tomlinson in 2006, and then there was Mahomes last year. And basically, the premise is that even if he regresses to the mean, it's not going to be like he's an average quarterback, but rather he'll go from historically great to merely the best or among the best in 2019. Right. And that that gap, losing it, is enough to not make him worth, like, a second-round pick. If he could once again be the second-best player ever, sure, maybe. But he just, probably can't. Just look at the guys being drafted around them. Right above Patrick Mahomes is Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. And then you go down and you get a guy like Ben Roethlisberger and Nikhil Harry are going right after each other. So would you rather have Nikhil Harry and Patrick Mahomes or Juju Smith-Schuster and Ben Roethlisberger? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's well, all Craig's about so that. so satisfied I mean, with himself right now. He's so like, see? I did it. I mean, that's Definitive. a great that's a great way to frame it too, because I mean, there's some really good values late at the quarterback position. James Winston right now, I think his ADP is 110. Philip Rivers 115. You can get Dak Prescott right now 127. Who was the Lamar fourth Jackson. quarterback in the second half of last year? Yeah, Lamar Jackson, who could break fantasy football this year, 121. I mean, there there is there's just so many guys that are valued like at the, the right now. Um, their ADP they could easily outplay their ADP. I'm just personally like the opportunity cost of taking Mahomes this year. If you if you got him last year where his ADP was, which was significantly lower, I don't even know off the top of my head what it was. Probably somewhere in like the hundreds or something, right? Um, if you can get him last year for that, that's great. You probably won your league because of it. You're not going to, he's not going to be a league winner this year because of like, e even if he does what he did last yeah, year. Yeah. If you won your league with Mahomes, it was because he went 118th and then you had a second or third rounder instead of that spot. But then drafting yeah. the second round, hoping he'll do the same thing, he does slightly less and then you don't have this second round person is how you don't win. And that's really, you want, there, look, there is no next Mahomes. But the point is, you're trying to find someone that at the value and all the value sapped out of him if you're taking him in the top. 20 and even the top 30 or 40 really so he's gonna yeah. go before the top 40 so it's it's tough in your drafts and the same principle applies to auctions it's tough to pay any amount for him and he goes when you can get you can probably get lamar jackson and jimmy garoppolo and kyler murray at your choice you can get two of those guys for two dollars and you can spend two dollars and two quarterbacks or you could spend 15 20 bucks in homes it's just it's tough to allocate that much resources so yeah this is, and to be clear, this is for one quarterback leagues and two quarterback leagues, everything changes. So, but that, the, just to be clear, yeah, like it, the, the late round quarterback sort of philosophy 
works really well. <laughs> so, yeah. My last note on this is I think that there's probably something like fundamentally wrong with fantasy football. If it's like, you don't need Patrick Mahomes because, you know, you could get Latavius Murray at 55. It's like there's something like just wrong with the game. Like Robert Mays, who is yeah, get very much a fan though. of he one quarterback league, league. And that's because yeah. I, he, you know, he believes it should literally mimic a football team. I disagree with him heartily because I also think it should mimic football. Not literally, because if there were 30 teams, sure, do one quarterbacks. But if we're at the point where Ben Roethlisberger, who led the league in passing yards last year, can basically just go like be a backup this year, that doesn't really make yeah. sense. Yeah. The pre the real connection of football is quarterbacks are valuable. I think two quarterback leagues are so much better because this top 50 would be completely different. Patrick Mahomes is like a top five pick, easily top 10 in two quarterback leagues. That's much closer to real life. And I think that's really doing justice to football. So if you yeah. are upset that there are no quarterbacks in the top 50, then have a two quarterback league. And sorry, Robert Mays. Mays, come yeah. on, Danacy. Mays, come on, Danacy. <laughs> there we go. On that note, this was the Danacy Football Podcast. Maze is avoiding us. Thank you. Thank you to everyone here in the <laughs> chapel. Thank you, Craig. And thank you most of all to DK. Yeah. We'll see you guys later this week. Yeah.